Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. So, spring 2024 is almost here. It really is. It is. Things are thawing. Of course, you um, might have a few more rounds, but it's coming. It's I just had great. Julie tell me what the weather was in different <laughs> cities where we have a lot of coaching clients around the country. And the lowest uh, daily high today was 40 degrees. So, that's a heck of a lot better than it like is a much month better, ago. Right. For sure. So, spring 2024 is almost here, and all of you need leads. And so, what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be giving you our proven open house plan. Now, just to be clear, this is the open house plan that works in all price ranges, all market conditions, whether you're selling condos, luxury homes, it does not matter what uh, you're selling. And I also want to share with you guys a lot of the you know Bravo TV stars that Julie and I've had coaching clients and had on our podcast before. Almost all of them started out their real estate careers by doing open houses. And they continue to do open houses because open houses, when you do it correctly, are without a doubt, especially when there's not a lot for sale, like is the case with most of the country, comparatively so to say you know, 10 years ago. When you do an open house uh, following our plan, you will generate droves of not just buyer leads, but seller leads. And the best part, no referral fees. That's right. I think that this is perhaps the best unintended consequence or a byproduct of a tight inventory market is that open houses work so well, right? Because people are starving to see the next thing that pops up. I have had many coaching clients tell me that they've had more than a hundred people through, whether that's couples or families or what have you, in a really rocking open house. So how do you do that? They send us pictures and we post them on Instagram. Awesome. Or, yeah, of uh, the lines. I remember. Yeah, we've got lots of pictures of agents doing open houses where there's a line going around. It's like a house party. Yeah, it's it's almost unfathomable to have that many. It's like too much success too fast. Yes, but and we're going to talk about how to handle that too. Right, you're going to have to get real good at pre-qualifying really fast. That's right, <laughs> yeah. managing. But people. we're going to be talking about all that stuff on today's podcast. So get ready to take notes. Speaking of notes, the notes for today's show are down below. So if you're on Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, does not matter where you're listening or watching us. You can scroll down and you will find all of our notes waiting there for you. And uh, yeah, follow along and use accordingly. And we do encourage those of you who have brokerages or small teams, whatnot, to use these notes when you're uh, educating and training your agents as well. And of course, while you're there, there are links for you to learn more about joining Julie and I at eXp Realty. There's a link down below that gives you the information on our eXp Realty team site. Now, this is a site which will explain all the reasons why literally thousands of agents have joined with us at eXp Realty and why you might consider doing so as well. It is time for you to consider a broker upgrade, and we really truly believe that eXp Realty is the best option for all of you, and it would be our pleasure and our honor if you were to consider us as your eXp Realty sponsors. So the link to learn more about our group is below, or by the way, you can simply text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. Please text, don't call. So if you're ready to join eXp Realty, you're looking for a sponsor that's going to be very proactive in your success. Um, if you want to learn more, just go and click the link below. Or if you're ready to make a decision or close to it, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. Yes, and this will be a two-part podcast. This is part one. I mentioned how you can get the notes. So if you don't have your own open house ready to go this weekend, maybe you're in between listings, maybe you're just getting started, whatever the case may be, 
you can borrow an open house from an agent or from your broker. Or a builder. Or a builder. New construction is fantastic. It's also okay to hold any open house from any broker in your state or, to your point, new construction in your state. You're licensed in the whole state, after all. So lead with the right house, not so much the agent or broker necessarily. But we you know, we have had people just assume, because of what you just said is true, that you don't have to ask a, a broker, another a listing agent, if you could hold their house yeah. open. Yes, you have to you ask. Do. We're actually going to get into that in a second. Okay, but good. yes. Excellent point. Don't just like show up and, you know, now you guys got to get out, right? We're doing an open. So why would you spend time and money speculating on unproven, unpredictable lead generation ideas? Instead, create a predictable, duplicatable, and systematized open house plan. Commit to making this a lead generation machine. That's why it's going to take us two podcasts to show you how to do that. So I'm scanning your notes and it is a good place for us to insert this information. Sure. So I want you guys to think about the process that we're going to just focus on buyers. Now remember, a lot of buyers, depending on the price point of the house, let's say you're holding open a house that's a million dollars, just to say. Chances are the people that are moving up to that house for sale are rather, you know, obviously they're moving up, so they've got a house to sell. So even though people show up oftentimes in your life as buyers, they're actually sellers as well. But let's set that aside. So if you're trying, if you think about that, the process that a buyer goes through when they're choosing um, a neighborhood, they have already like the everybody knows at this point that the you know essentially the least motivated, really poorest quality leads are online leads, especially the ones you guys buy. Those are the people that are just getting ready to get started. They're looking at a bunch of different websites. They're filling out forums. You know, unfortunately, a lot of times they're then getting spammed with a lot of different agents who bought their lead information from whatever portal. It's not a good experience for consumers. Mm -hmm. We all can agree to that. But what happens is most people start there. Used to be homes magazines, right? You know, Mm -hmm. so people start somewhere. And then what happens then is they start focusing on a different, maybe a city. And then they go to a different city. Then they go to a community. Then they go to a community. Then they go to a neighborhood. Then they go to, so what they're doing is they're filtering themselves down through the process to the point where they're driving through neighborhoods looking for those new listings that are having the open houses for the first time. Those are the best quality, most motivated leads, you know, 100% of the time. Julie and I, how did Tim and Julie sell over 100 homes our first year in real estate? Because we did open houses every single Saturday, every single uh, Sunday. I bet you our first year we did probably 200 open houses. I'm not even exaggerating. And we would, guess what? We would get them for for sale by owners, our FISBOs. We'd list a FISBO, we'd hold it open. We knew that chances are that we would get more business from it. And sure enough, we did. And people, the sellers saw the activity we were doing in the neighborhood. They realized we were working our butts off to get that guy's house sold. And we get more listings that way. But the point that I want you to understand, the best leads are the ones that are choosing, that are essentially have already chosen the neighborhood in which your open house is. And they're now trying to literally find a house. And here's great news for all of you. And again, this is going to be an eye-opener for those of you who think you're going to get um, commitment from uh, people from your long-term drip campaigns. All kinds of research going back decades has proven that most consumers choose the first agent that they meet. Now, meet Mm -hmm. can be a call, but for the most part, it's the first agent that they meet with. So if you're talking with a buyer today and that buyer is somebody who's you pre-qualified or you know seem like they're ready to go without buyer you have to assume is already ta- already all, uh, is also talking with two or three different other agents if that one of those other agents gets an appointment before you do you know that they're not going to work with you they're going to work with that other agent cuz the other agent met with them first do you guys get it mm-hmm. it's because it's a human relationship bonding thing that's how people go about making decisions so if someone's driving through open houses or driving through your community looking for open houses and there you are you're following this plan. 
chances are they're going to want to work with you, not just for the buy of the house, but also if they happen to have a house for sale. That's the thing that pisses off seasoned veteran agents <laughs> because they know that most consumers are going to work with the first agent that they meet. And that might even be a new agent. That might be an agent who has never sold a house before, but because they were there to satisfy that seller's need at the time the seller was ready to make a decision who they were going to work with, that seller or that buyer is now going to work with that particular agent. Most consumers are not going to take the time and sift and sort and pre-qualify and ask the you know agent a whole bunch of different questions about how many houses in the neighborhood they sold and all the rest of it. You guys know what I'm saying is true, and you understand the importance of getting to that prospective client first, and that's the core, that's the essence, that's the heart of the reason why open houses, when done correctly, work so well. Well, you made so many good points there. You pointed out that they've basically self-selected, that they're in the market, they're in that market, in that neighborhood. They're looking for that particular type of home, usually in that particular price range, give or take a little bit. And they are motivated enough that they have taken their weekend to go look at houses. That's the main thing. Yeah. If they're taking their Sunday afternoon and they're driving around looking at houses, do not blow that lead off. It is, it is honestly, it's, it's mind blowing. <laughs> it is mind blowing because so many agents listening just right now think that, oh, I get leads from buying them. I have to pay Zillow 43%. You do or not. XYZ company 43%. Why? Why are you doing that? It's insane. Stop buying leads. Generate your own. Generating leads. They're trying to make it too hard. You guys are making it too hard. <laughs> it's because no one's told you the truth like what we're telling you. So the first rule is, and this is so important. Yes, if you screw this up, none of the other points that Julie wrote down for you guys is going to make a difference. Choose the right house to hold open. Choose the right house to hold open. First time move up homes are the best. First time move up homes. That's not necessarily first time buyer houses, the first time that they move up. In other words, the they, second move. Right, yeah. their second move. So they, got, they bought their first house. They've lived in it for a little while. Maybe you sold it to them. And now they're ready to move up. Uh, and so those are the best ones. Why? Because they have there. That's at least two transactions. They're going to buy a house from you. Maybe the house you're holding open, and you're going to get the listing provided you pre-qualify them, ask the right questions, and follow our system. That's right. So popular neighborhoods, school districts, and zip codes. The more curb appeal, the better. That can matter. You know what's hot and what's not. So choose wisely. If you don't know what's hot and what's not, refer to our money podcast about how to figure that out. But it mostly uh, centers on your hot sheet. You can figure it out pretty easily. Don't hold an open house that's behind a bunch of gates, up a twisty road, hard to find, hard to park, or other inconveniences that will deter turnout. So choose the right house. And we're talking about, uh, just to get back to the, the move up thing, let, let's just give them an example. Let's say that a first-time buyer house in most areas is right around 400000 450000 So that's the first house. They're going to move up to something that's probably five fifty to six fifty. That's a better open house. If, if you're more comfortable in the lower price range, that's fine. But the reason that we like that first move up is to what you said, Tim, they are more likely to have a listing to sell as well as a buy side. Here's a slight edit to that. This is what Julie and I did our first year to sell over 100 homes. If you are going to go uh, and you're going to have the, say, for example, go after what will be a first time home buyer house and you're listing a, you know, a FISBO or a, maybe even an expired or just mm -hmm. whatever in a community that is generally the first home, the, in a price point of the first you know, location, whatever, the first time buyers buy. And those buyer or those sellers are then become buyers for you of the move up house. That works too. Yes, okay. it's actually an easier transaction for agents that are intimidated. I'm glad that you hovered on that because some of you are you're either intimidated by ha having to handle the buy and sell for somebody, and the strategy and the competition and all of that, 
Or maybe you just really like working with first-time buyers. That's okay. But also it's easier too. It is easier. It is easier because the first-time home buyer house is going to sell in only... I cannot imagine a market right now where a first-time home buyer price point house that's say less than 400 or 400 or less anywhere in the it's United States. It's going to sell. It's going to sell instantaneously, which means you're going to transact quicker and make more money faster right. and help that person. Yeah. And, and it's going to be easier for you to do all of it because the house will, you know price, condition, location, they were all in check. It'll sell itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and those types of uh, houses are always going to be hot for first-time buyers, investors, it doesn't matter what, or even downsizers. So that's a little sweet spot. So if you're trying to you know, think in terms of, like if you were to hold a house that's uh, a move-up type house open, you're then going to have to get that seller to list with you. You're going to have to get that buyer to you know become your seller. And then that buyer's now that they're a seller, they might have to sell that house before they actually can buy. It's more complicated. It, exactly. You guys get the point. You'll transact quicker um, if you are essentially holding first-time home buyer type homes open. Now, some of you aren't going to want to do that, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. I mean, people ask Julie and I all the time, if we were to get back selling real estate, what would we do? Or where would we sell? I'll tell you right now, in the most expensive area that had the highest transaction volume. That's easy. That's, that's just smart. That's just it. <laughs> right? Where we could make the most amount of money where people wanted to live. That's the whole, I yep. just gave you guys the Dakota ring. Yes, exactly. But, you know, I, I think we've talked about this point a lot, but the first time buyer of a house, also that buyer is not going to have a house to sell. They're not going to be contingent. Right. They're going to love all of your advice because they don't know five different agents. It's all good. All right. Now, no matter what house you choose after doing that research, you will then do point number two, use at least 10 directional signs and ask permission to put those signs on the neighbor's lawns. Who do you know who I should call for my open house this weekend? You can order inexpensive bandit signs and save some money, but more signs do equal more traffic. Okay, some advanced coaching on this. And if I'm stepping in your points, just stop on my foot. When you are putting the directional signs out, you should have your name on the direction. Let's say you're with eXp Realty. Uh, You should have your name on the sign and you should have eXp Realty on the sign. Those two things. And then an arrow pointing in the direction that the open house is, obviously. And you want to put out a ton of these open house signs. Um, Julie said 10. That's a great starting number. Frankly, it should be at least 10. You put one out on the main street, one in front of the house. You're not going to get any traffic because people are going to get frustrated trying to find it. And here's the advanced coaching. Before you put a open house sign in front of uh, someone's house, that even if you're putting it on the city side between the street and the um, sidewalk, if there's a sidewalk, that's the city side. And technically, you don't have to ask to put an open house sign there. I want you to do it anyway because you're going to find that the sellers are going to be, or I'm sorry, the owners of the house, that you're asking permission to put a little directional sign in the corner of their yard for three hours, whether, you know, whether they'll be okay with that. You're going to get more uh, future listings from that because of the fact you knocked on the door and asked uh, permission, even though you didn't have to. And they're going to say these exact words to you, mark my word. You know what? I am amazed at whatever version of that you asked because agents for decades have been doing that without asking me. And I'm so you know happy that you asked me. And Julie and I got listings like this. Coaching clients uh, have followed that. It's very simple. You're just being respectful. That's all you're being. And it pays dividends in the future. And by the way, it's the right thing to do. I would count that as a contact, assuming that you are actually voice to voice and are a- and are asking, gosh, maybe you know somebody who this is a unique opportunity to choose your neighbors. Who should I be calling who would love to buy a house in your neighborhood? It's kind of a compliment, I think. All right. Point number three, know the listing and know the neighborhood of the open house, whether it's your listing or you're borrowing one. Keep a cheat sheet of the following or use the notes in your smartphone. 
all of the active listings, the pending listings, and the recently sold listings in the neighborhood, as well as any neighborhoods that compete with your subject property. Know the average days in the market and the average list-to-sell price ratio. Don't have, I know this is controversial, Julie probably won't re- agree with me, but don't print off a bunch of you know community CMA type flyer handout deals because if you do, you're not going to be able to capture their contact information. So ask them if you'd like them to receive a CMA of what you know, all the updated listings and maybe some coming soon type listings. And then you then will have the opportunity to ask for their name, their phone number, and their email yes. address. And then text it to them. But I would strongly suggest you guys not just hand out. You're not, you're not there for a PSA. You're not just giving no. out public service announcements. It, about- it lives, the information lives in your brain so that you can speak fluently and, you know, be an expert in the neighborhood, be a specialist in the neighborhood, be interesting to them. Hey, you know, I ran into this agent that actually they had it going on. They knew all about this neighborhood. This must be their thing. And then they feel comfortable and confident giving their contact information. That's your follow-up for that evening. So point number four, know the facts about the competing neighborhoods. Is there new construction nearby? That's the big one. Yes. Have you toured it? And do you know the facts about it? Are the builders offering incentives? Sometimes you're going to lead generate off of a resale and then end up selling a bunch of new construction. That's okay. That happens all the time. All so, the time. so advanced coaching, you're going to have someone walk through the house. You're going to have all this information on the builders and the financing, all the rest of it. And these buyers express the fact that they're interested in it. You can register depending on your relationship with the builder or the build rep. You can then online through a text even. Maybe they require a form being completed online. It doesn't really matter. You can register those buyers with that builder. And you can say, uh, then maybe even message the new home rep and say, I'm sending Bob and Betty by to check out the new build rep I think, or your new build you know, options. Yes. I think they'll be perfect build clients for you. And if Bob and Betty then go into contract with that new build rep, you're going to get a commission uh, in four to six months. And I know you guys think I'm making that up, but I'm not. That's really how it works. You're going to have to ha- understand how the new build reps and the new builders, mm-hmm. what their threshold is in essence with, with regards to registering. But I just told you guys, if you have a trustworthy relationship, a trusting relationship with a new build rep, chances are they're going to be more than willing to uh, essentially put you on the contract, even if you didn't quote unquote cross the threshold with those buyers. That's why we suggested that you actually go and tour and get to know those new build reps and build that relationship. We did a podcast, maybe it was a podcast series dedicated to knowing how to work with new construction. So this fits right into that pocket. Now, number five is more of a cautionary tale. Realize that the seller, whether they're selling with you or you borrowed the listing from another agent, is watching and listening to you. (laughs) Most homes have cameras and other security measures. Even if they don't have cameras, guys, freaking smart everything, it all listens to you. Be I complimentary. Mean, I mean, all of our, you know, Julie, our uh, TV uh, downstairs, it has uh, it has some sort of Siri type something or another. She's watching you. But no, no, not no. watching. Well, probably listening. watching, but listening. And it's a man's voice. And occasionally it'll just say, could you repeat that? I'm like, <laughs> who are you? Repeat what? <laughs> I know. Creepy. I know. I have to say, the funniest kids podcast ever is called melon's house party oh yeah where all of the appliances are smart appliances and as soon as the people leave they start talking to each other it is so funny for those of you who have i'd say probably four to maybe nine year olds would love that it's called melon's house party you're not four nor are you nine well i know this from zoe's many many drives to school she's kind of outgrown it i still think it's hilarious there you go But anyway, have fun with that. Melon's house party. All right. Number five uh, was the one we just did. Number six, capture any potential prospects using an app. There's lots of open house apps now or a sign-in book. And here's the important point. Follow up the same day or evening using our open house lead follow-up scripts. 
Which home in the area do you plan on selling? That's asking if they have a listing. If you know that there's going to be high traffic, have a partner sign people in at the door so that you can have conversations and answer questions without losing potential business. All right, I want to talk about this one. Yes. Okay, so first of all, um, what would you use if given a choice? A sign-in book, old school, pen and paper, like registry, really nice looking sign-in book. I would use that. Or would you use some sort of digital thing? I would use the sign-in book. They kind of got away from that in COVID because nobody wanted to touch anything. And there are a few markets that are a little bit still worrisome about that. So I think use what you're going to use, what you will use that you have proven to get phone numbers, whether that's digital or hard copy. I like hard copy because, you know, I call that your brain book of leads. You carry it around. You've got, you know, I, I think it's a little more intimate. Assuming that it's not just a legal pad, you want to make it look classy. What I, would you I say? I would use the sign-in book too. Yeah. I would use a sign-in book, and I would take my sign-in book from one open house to the other, to the other, to the other. That way, over time, you're going to have billions of signatures and names. And that way, when someone walks into your open house and the uh, sign-in book is sitting right there, they're going to see that other people signed in. It's like the tip jar, right? If you go to mm -hmm. a Starbucks or any place any, anymore, there's a tip jar that's sitting right there. If the tip jar is empty, psychologically, <laughs> people no one tips. But if there's, and that's the reason that uh, anyone working at a restaurant always spikes the tip yes. jar. They'll throw a bunch of ones in there, tens or twenties. That way, people are feeling the social pressure to actually throw money in there. It's kind of a fascinating fact what I just told you. But the same goes with the sign-in book. So if the sign-in book has, you know, lots of previous people who have registered in your sign-in book, they will sign in, and you can also have to put a sign that says uh, the seller requests that everybody signs in. And just leave it there, yeah. and you'll watch the people do it. Now, I will say that there is another kind of cool little widget, though I would still use a sign-in book, mm -hmm. with a new uh, iPhone iOS. Mm -hmm. If you take your iPhone and you put the top of it next to the top of somebody else's iPhone, the iPhones uh, communicate, and you can choose to then share all your contact information. I know there's a lot of BS information that somehow there's a glitch in the software and right. you somehow are transferring all your contact. It's not true. It only transfers the actual, um, you know, your actual, let's call it card. Mm -hmm. And I've done that personally yes. when we're Test out and about out. versus, mm -hmm. oh, text me your phone number. I'll text. Sure. Just put the phones together and all you gotta do is click yes and then you exchange someone's full contact. In some markets, that might be more efficient, but in general, you know, work purposes, that's a great idea yeah, for you too. I, I know that uh, Federico in LA was telling me how he does that, um, you know, so that he captures all of their information right on right. the spot. I think some of this also, I, you know, do what you're most comfortable with that's working for you, but it also depends on how slammed your open house is, right? So people can kind of circulate through signing the book a little bit easier than if you're stuck sharing your phone contacts and it's just one-on-one -on -one and there's 20 people behind you, right? I like how all your, uh, your stories have uh, the idea that there's going to be droves and droves of people. I'm you, telling you, low inventory true? is I such know. a blessing right now but with regards to opens. Julie said something else as well. She said, don't, uh, if, you're, if, you do, if you are blessed with droves of people wanting to walk through, don't uh, make the mistake of just pigeonholing yourself talking to the yes. one analytical person that wants to hear about mm -hmm. the you know the the age of the appliances and all this stuff. You've got a your job is to be the meter and the greeter. Now, if you don't have an assistant or someone that can work with you, you're going to have to sort of balance how all of that works. And maybe in that particular case, when they walk in, you give them some sort of MLS flyer on the house that has all that pertinent information. But your job is to make it so that when everyone walks into that open house, they're feeling welcomed by you. They're impressed with how many people are there, how mm -hmm. clean organized it is. And we're going to get to all those particular details on tomorrow's show. But Julie has a couple
couple more points. One more point. Yes, one more point. Number seven, door knock or canvas the neighborhood. Canvas the neighborhood sounds better, right? Because it's like prospecting. We can't yeah, call no, it that. It's lead generation. We're not allowed to say script. We have to say conversation outline. I know. This is all the code, and right? We can't, and we can't say prospect. We have to say proactive lead generation. Exactly. And canvas the neighborhood, you know, <laughs> the day before your open house. Speak with as many homeowners as possible and ask whom you should be calling so they can choose their neighbors. I have so many examples. I know you do too. Our coaches do of actual listings happening exactly like this. And the typical stance from those people is, gosh, you're really working this hard, aren't you? I, I, you know, the last time I saw a listing in the neighborhood, I just sat there. You're really working to do this. Well, advanced tip. You can even do a neighbors only. Hopefully it's not one of your points tomorrow. Nope. Okay. It's okay. Do a neighbors only open house, which you're going to basically say, um, for example, let's say your official open house is one to three or whatever. It's going to be on a Sunday. Well, do a neighbors only that's going to start at like 11. And that gives you an excuse to go knock on all the you know doors of the adjacent homes. I'm sorry, canvas, for those of you guys who don't like the word <laughs> <Canvas>. knock. <laughs> and uh, we're trying to take off the sharp edges so that, you, you know, we're, we're trying to nerf up some of these words so you guys aren't automatically like, you know, being triggered. And some of you are very sensitive to the idea that you're going to have to prospect and things like that. So hopefully you're laughing at yourselves, especially if you're one of those people. Cause Putting the icing on it for you. Yeah, exactly. We think it's funny. But anyway, so uh, yes, the moral of the story is go invite all the neighbors. And yes. in, we have open house invitation scripts, but very simple, obviously. Neighbors only open house. Mm -hmm. And then um, if you're in a nicer area, I mean, honestly, this is it will work in all markets, but a nicer area it might merit you actually having some kind of formal looking invitation that you're going to give to all the neighbors as you're going around. And I'm talking about taking like an eight and a half by 11, a nice uh, paper stock, cutting it in half, having a nice looking sure. font and you're invited to type of thing. Like a card or something. Have your title, mortgage or whatnot. You do a little sponsoring of the, of the open house and have, you know, some sort of little uh, hors d'oeuvres or whatever. Do something that's really going to set yourself apart. Because remember what you're doing when you're doing an open house is you're auditioning to be the listing agent of all the neighbors who are thinking about selling. Well, it's not unusual. I'm glad you mentioned that. It is not unusual for that situation to happen where they say, you know, the reason I went to the open house wasn't because I want to buy this house. It's because I'm trying to get to know the agents who are actually working in my neighborhood. They will actually say that and they will make a decision based on how you handled the open house, how you followed up with them, how you presented. You know, you are auditioning. They're saying, all right, so Tim, how did you handle, I'm going to observe, how are you handling this open house? But Julia, so, you know, when we do stuff like this, I honestly, it makes me excited because I know that it does not matter how behind the times, air quoting there, someone is with regards to media, branding, videos, blah, blah, blah. If you do what Julie and I just said, which all of you can do in every single market, you're going to find yourself... Uh, you know, with the realization that the proactive lead generation, the actual belly to belly, face to face, voice to voice contacts is what's always going to win the game. And then you're going to start feeling a little bit, I think, um, liberated from the belief that success in real estate is something that is complicated to accomplish. Nothing that Julie just gave you guys in the last seven points is hard for you to do. Every single one of you can do this all the time. Matter of fact, when you join Premier Coaching, we give you, is it 90 days? Uh, what is the one of the plans we give them? Oh, 90 day massive action plan. We have the open house plan, 
We have the survival guide. We have the real estate treasure map. Which you guys get for free when you join Premier Coaching. But one of the elements of the 90-day success plan is get, guess what you're doing every Sunday? Open houses. Because exactly. this is going to put you in a position where you're you being you as a real estate practitioner, having meaningful conversations and you're following our conversation outlines, aka scripts, where you're going to then all of a sudden find yourself uh, tripping over real estate transactions. That's how it works, especially this time of year. So listen, guys, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. Um, we're going to pick up tomorrow where we left off today with part two. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.